Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I hope the homies agree. They always have some say in this. That's true. Right. That's true. If you, if you homies got to like it. If you don't want to hear it again, just tweet at Chris. But if you're a member of Anon, we're going to throw out your vote. <laughs> so we're just going to think you're hating entirely. You're so funny. Oh, yeah, baby. What's up? It's Monday morning. It's still the morning. I had to double check that because I'm a little late for our Monday morning <laughs> podcast. It's almost the afternoon. What's up, everybody? Week 14 of the books. Ahmed Farid is here. He's wearing his Chris Sims unbuttoned T-shirt. He's got it zipped down, showing the pectoral muscles as well. Yep. It's doing well. How are you today? Good. Good? Good. Good weekend? It was a good weekend. Yeah? Yeah, watching football. Good. I know. Yesterday, you, you didn't have to work yesterday or do I anything, didn't. right? I was home. So at home on a nice cold day with flurries in the air, watching football? It was all alone. Actually, my dad came over. We okay. watched the NFL together. Yeah. So uh, we did that. I bought a... Uh, man, I'm jealous of you. To just sit at home, right? Oh, you man. don't get to do that. I relish that day. I relish that one playoff weekend or two playoff weekends where maybe we don't have to work on a Saturday and our game right. Sunday, right? And I get to sit home like a normal fan and go, man, this is awesome. Bowl of chips on the couch. Just Well, when you retire, what, in, what, 30 years from now, you can do it again? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I do wonder. It's like the gift and the curse. It's like a, it's a gift that I'm working on Sunday and a part <laughs> of such a great thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I miss my you know family Sunday football time. For sure. Because we're all together. I always make dinner for the, the family. And so I, I got this new uh, wood fire pizza oven. Oh, It was like Black you. Friday deal. And okay. so I got one. It was pretty good. And you were cooking it? I did. The, yeah. Burnt only like half of them. Okay. Yeah. It's all very right. difficult. Well, you're not Italian, so you got to keep working. <laughs> okay. I got to perfect that. But yeah, it was a good slate of games here on Sunday. As always, our promise to all the homies, and we always fulfill our this promise. promise, is that we'll talk about every game. Yes. Sometimes uh, even longer than we some, should. You're right. That's you're okay. right. In fact, I'm going to add a game to the list right now just what? because it's on my mind. I just, real quick, like Thursday night, Okay, that was the dumbest shit ever. Like, that was amazing by Baker Mayfield. That was the dumbest shit ever by the Raiders. Everyone was talking about that in the postgame I, show. I just can't help it. I just got to throw it out there real quick. I mean, the guy doesn't know the offense, so we're going to play a defense where that knowing the offense doesn't matter. So he can just play backyard one-on-one football and throw, hey, Ahmed, go deep. Hey, Ahmed, go deep. They're playing you bump man to man. I that 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 I can't believe. So the week always it, it never you know lacks surprises or elements for us to talk about. But that on Thursday night with Baker kicking it off yeah. and the Raiders just doing dumb shit on defense. I, that, that I just I'm shocked. As much as you know, I respect Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, all the. I don't. I just was shocked that they went. We didn't. You should have done the opposite. Let's rush three. Let's drop eight. He doesn't know the plays. 
let's make them figure it out on the fly and make a mistake. So there's my first uh, just little well, yeah. Something off my chest, my stress relief, and well, now the, we can go to Sunday. The Raiders are dead to me. The Raiders are dead to me. Whenever <laughs> I talk them up or we talk them up on this podcast right. and they beat the Chargers yeah. last week, and they're like, all right, they're yeah. making a run again here. Right. This is who we thought they were. Right. Uh, they screw us. They screw and us. And so, uh, yeah. What I we do feel, yeah, you're right, they do screw us a lot. That and the Jags, I feel like, have screwed me over more times this year than anybody. Just when you start believing, yeah. they lose by one to the Rams and Baker right. Mayfield, who was there for like 24 hours. And then you give up, and then they win like the next that. week. <laughs> um, so this is what we do. We talk about every Sunday game. We don't talk about Thursday. So, no, but we did. So delete that. Woo, woo, Forget woo. that that just happened. <laughs> uh, let's start right. with our Sunday night football game. This is hashtag QB wins. This is what the, the segment's called here. Is this because we get, we're going to give the win? Into the quarterbacks of all oh, these teams. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it sounds like Pete's uh, producer Pete's you know trolling some people with this little comment here. Hashtag all about QB the quarterbacks. Wins. All about the quarterbacks. And this one was all about the quarterbacks. Two players that were picked back to back in the uh, 2020 NFL draft. It was Justin Herbert right. versus Tua Tungavailoa, and the Chargers won. Yeah. And I didn't see this tweet until I got in today. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize that you sent this out. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I want him to te- like tweet at Big Cat at Barstool because he always, like anytime Tua plays well, he like uh-huh. sends me a tweet on social media with like big eyes open or whatever, right? So those of you listening who cannot watch or see this tweet by Chris Sims sent out last night, was this after the game or it was during like, the game? Yeah, yeah, it was, la- it was after the, the game. game. It was very end of the game. Okay. Yeah, we waited until it was over officially. Uh, all week, <laughs> Dolphin fans kept saying that this was going to be the deciding game on whether Tua was better than Justin Herbert. You guys were right about something for once. <laughs> a little uh, winky, smiley, tongue out yeah, face. Yeah, emoji was well face. Done. That, was, that, that was Pete. Pete's the, he's the creative director of things like that. You can't trust me with tweets like that. Well, so you're saying it in the room. If, if, I, if say I say it. You right. say it in the room. And then they clean it up and, you know, me, I'm too emotional and tense and yeah. I want to go too hard all the time. Yeah. Right? So they do a good job of reining me in. Yeah, right. I wanted to say, fuck you, big cat, eat it, yeah. two and on. That's how I wanted to start the tweet at. Edited right? that out. Right. So they, they helped me with that, and they helped me not get fired on a regular basis. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was well written by Pete and, and Matt Casey. It was a little group collaboration. And you know, it's one of those two when you said, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know. Do I want to send it out and just start the shit storm and do that? Yeah. And then Matt Casey's like, it's Twitter. It's always a shit storm. Send it out. And I was like, you're right. Here we go. And it's football. We can't <laughs> take this stuff, uh, stuff too seriously. Uh, but this, right. was, uh, this was a serious game for Justin Herbert and the Chargers because they needed a win like this Huge coming game. off that Raiders loss, as we talked about before. So let's take a look at the numbers. Tua versus Justin Herbert passing in this game. Not even close. Uh, Justin Herbert threw the ball a ton. Yeah, he did. Uh, what was it, like 51 attempts? or something like that. Yep, 51, 39 of 51. Over 300 yards by the end. Here's the passing charts if you're watching. So Justin Herbert throwing it all over the field. Two of 10 of 28, 145 yards. So let's start with a good. Yeah. Start gushing about Justin Herbert, your guy. Yeah, well, he just he's a special football player, as you see there. You know, again, they're not the most they, – they don't run the ball that great. They don't protect great, right? His ability to throw with people around him, hanging around. How many throws did you see like that last night? You know, again, he's about to get crushed, throws it, doesn't matter. Got people all around him, throws it downfield, 15-yard gain. You know, oh, the guy's not really separating, doesn't matter. I'll throw it right underneath your chin, and if the guy's hand's not there, then they're not going to stop the throw. I mean, so he's, as we've talked about in the past, when, when, when he's, he's arguably the best pocket passer in football. 
That's where he's amazing from that standpoint. Decision-making, accuracy, and he posed problems for a defense that really the only problem they had to worry about was him. You know, I think they wanted to play man-to-man and blitz, and then they realized early on, oh, wait, they have a few answers for it. And I think they got scared where they were like, they're just going to throw goes and back shoulders to Mike Williams, and they're going to go down the field that way. So they tried to play zone. But then you play zone, and he can he's smart. And they like I've said, they got all the, the good, basic Sean Payton West Coast plays to where they pick you apart that way. But he was phenomenal. He was a man on a mission last night. That was uh, – a great game, and I, I got to give the Chargers credit. I know the Chargers went into the game losing three out of four, right? And I know they've, they've been a banged up football team. I'm I'm one that's going to stick up for Brandon Staley a little bit more than I, I think people have been, and and me included. I'm not trying to say I haven't. Uh, it's it's been it has been tough. They've had to deal with a lot of crap, and you know I know they lost to the Chiefs and the 49ers, but damn, they they played them toe to toe, and we look at those two teams as two of the better teams in the sport. Yeah, the Raiders game, hey, disappointing, certainly. The Raiders threw out a different game plan that I think caught them by surprise a little bit. They kind of did what Miami did, and they, I don't think they were expecting, like, whoa, the Raiders blitzing, doing all this crazy stuff. That, I think it was a curveball. But nonetheless, hang in their fight. So that's where I would want to give them credit. It's not a great defense, and right now it's going to be him having to make plays with his right arm like we saw last night for them to win football games. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And now I'm feeling like maybe that – who knows? Well, they're, maybe they're could, scary. They're, they're and if the they mix. can be healthy, if you can get Joey Bosa back, right? And then you got, of course, a Derwin James. And they had no Bryce Callahan well, last night. I think that's even, even the most promising thing for the Chargers. They're yes. still without some guys I on know. defense. They, and they can come back. back for a playoff push. So that's where they can just hang in and get Bosa and Bryce Callahan and Turnwin James really healthy and good to go, get the offensive line a little healthier there too. You know, I know we're not going to get you know, our, our uh, Rashawn Slater back, but I think they can get everybody else back along the, 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 the group there to where, yeah, I wouldn't want to see Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley again. What he showed me last night is he has a feel for this offense. You know, this was a different – stopping of the Miami Dolphins as compared to last week. Like we talked last week, they didn't stop Miami. Tua was off again in San Francisco. He missed wide-open people everywhere. Last night he was off, but you saw the game. The coverage was tight. It wasn't like he was missing wide-open receivers. It was like, you know, he was throwing the ball, and you're just like, damn, give him a chance. You're not even giving the guy a chance. That's where he was off last night. But the defense was all over that. And Staley must have a good feel for the McDaniels, Shanahan scheme and kind of how to slow it down. And I thought it was interesting last night, too, Amund. I don't mean to keep talking here. Mm-hmm. He played more man-to-man than I've seen teams play them. And I think that gave them, you know, whoa, wait, our RPOs aren't going to work that way. So they had different versions of man, and they made Tua say, okay, you you got to throw the ball into some tight windows here. We're going to be kind of sticky on you that way. And, uh, yeah, Tua did not deliver last night Yeah, you'll sure. have, We might have to take a look at the film on this one, just like yeah. we did last week. Yeah. And Pete notes here that some 49er fans are now demanding on Twitter that you acknowledge that their defense really did shut down Tua last week. And now it's two weeks in a row because I think there are some people out well, there who be like, yeah. what do you mean they have never been shut down? We shut them down last week. But as you mentioned on this podcast, right. there were guys open last week, not as much in this guys game last Guys open everywhere last yeah. week. It's not, again, the 49ers defense. Is awesome, you know. I I, I like wa- wax poetically about it every week. Last week was not a good week. McDaniel got them. Yeah, they 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 on the scoreboard won, but like we talked about. I mean, if Tua just plays average last week, they're going to score an extra ten points. And he's going to have an extra hundred and fifty yards passing. 
So that was that was bad. This was a different feel to it. This wasn't oh two was throwing it high, two was missing. Whoa, that guy was wide open down the middle. There was none of that last night. You know, he missed some throws and 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 put some ugly balls out there. But it wasn't people just flying through the middle of a defense. So you know that's where you know Pete. Maybe we have to send a tweet out to the Forty Nine er fans to explain that a little more. You know, after the podcast, he threw for thirty five percent completion percentage. Did Tua, and I think a lot of times on third down, it was like a lot of man early. I was seeing some. It was right, and then, and then third down zone. went to zones. It did. You're exactly right. When you've kind of hurried up Tua, you got his clock ticking a little faster. No doubt. There's no. There's no. It's, since it's third, and it's usually you know five, six, seven, eight. The RPO is really not as much as an available to where teams don't want to call that because it's usually a shorter pass. You're not guaranteed you're going to get to the sticks. Yep. The play-action fake doesn't have as much merit there. So then it becomes into, wait, you actually have to just, we're going to have to, they're going to have to drop back. They're not going to be able to you know, throw screens and do that. So they can have a feel for, okay, now it's just drop-back pass offense. We don't have to worry about as much. And they definitely did that. That was a good catch by you. Something I was saying in the control room you know, with the sky cam always where I'm going, look, it's been man first and second, third down. Down. If they get them in third and five or plus, they were playing some sort of cover two zone or something like that. And uh, yeah, that's as much as we saw the Dolphins offense struggle this year. Um, I, I don't think it's even close, right? I don't think there's a game oh, at all so. that they looked like this. Well, the 35% completion percentage was the worst by a quarterback in a game since Sam Darnold in 2019. Worst by a Miami quarterback since David Woodley Whoa. back in 1980. That's what I was one? thinking. When I was yeah. watching, I was like, this is like David Woodley out there. What's going on? It's not Tua. What's uh, happening right here? Uh, so, <laughs> you know, maybe you can say that they uh, needed to run the ball a little bit more. Jeff Wilson was a little dinged up, yep, so that right. affected things. And they did give Raheem Mostert 11 carries, and he only had 37 yards, so he was ineffective. Yeah. So maybe that had something to do with it. They don't run the ball enough early on. That's probably one thing I'm a little critical of. But, but it's easy to say that, you know. It's easy. First off, they're not a great dominant run team. Their run game usually starts to work because why, Ahmed? You're worried about, whoa, Tyreek Hill's over here, Waddle's over here, this guy's over here, that guy. So you're so spread out trying to stop all that, and then there's a huge gap over the middle, and they hit that. That's usually what they – they're usually a pass-first run football team. Right. And – uh, and I can't blame them for that. I mean, as we've, it's yeah. been a highlight show all year from what they've done. They can't independently impose their will in the exactly. Run game, right? yeah, that's the way to say it. They're not just gonna. We, they're not gonna just come out in a game and go. We're running today, no matter what. Yeah. Like, we're gonna push you around. They're they're not at that level yet. Uh, they're still really good. They are. Um, but but um, there's no doubt Tua is off right now. And I'm not trying to say this. The year he's been really good. I get that. But the last two weeks, I'm just talking about me as a quarterback and a guy who watches people throw the ball all the time and evaluates that I'm in. You know, it's we obviously it's inaccurate right now. Yeah, he was seventy percent the first nine games. Yeah, forty five percent the last two. Yeah, it's um and and you know certainly inaccurate. But but what's even a little concerning to me is just that. You know, and again, you you can disagree if you like, but the, the quality of the ball doesn't look good the last two weeks. I think that's what's a little weird about it too. There was a lot of throws where you went, "Whoa, is that is that going to hang in the air for seven minutes before that gets to the ten yard you know mark over the, and then the ball gets knocked down, and they're just not tight spirals, and you know never a big arm, but I thought the last two weeks, there looked to be less pop in his arm. Maybe he's getting a little worn out. Maybe he's got some injuries he is dealing with. I don't know, but that's just an assessment as a thrower. And I'm not even talking about the play, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Dolphins. I, it's just it's, it's crazy how the league can change in such a hurry. 
at Buffalo. Right. I mean, they could be sitting here going. We could be sitting here next Monday going. Dolphins were. We were talking about them being one of the best teams they have seen. They they're eight and six now. Three weeks later, it's twenty days later. They lost three in a row, and that's that's shocking. And this will again. We're getting to the point here where good defenses. Teams are starting to accumulate some knowledge on how to stop them. And now we're going to get another thing of, we talked about all year, them going up to cold weather, Buffalo, going to have to throw in the elements and all of that. And the way it's looked last two weeks, yeah, that's a little concerning. So uh, the Dolphins got some, some work to do here down the stretch. One last note. Yeah. There was a nothing the passer in this game oh my on gosh. Justin Herbert. Oh, my gosh. It's your brand. Yeah. So I'll give you 30 seconds to talk I, about I, that penalty. Just, I, I don't know. What else is Jalen Phillips supposed to do? I mean, what is he supposed to do? And you know what? The, the thing that bothers me more than anything, again, it's, it's a standalone game. But, I mean, they're on the side. Justin Herbert was on the sideline ready for the punt, and the flag was dropped. Like, he had no idea. Nobody thought it was roughing the passer. We, we showed, and I think we were being nice here at NBC by not exposing the NFL a little bit. But, like, I'm, you know, we're in the control room. I can see all the replays and stuff. I mean, they're walking off the field. There's still no flag on the ground. Hmm. That, to me, is it's concerning. People not getting involved either in 345 Park and getting in their ear or just to huddle up and then make a decision two minutes after the play or, you know, 50 seconds after the play. Uh, it just It's not a good look for the NFL at all, let alone it's an absolute bullshit fucking call. If you wanted to make an argument for, which you know me, I like to yeah. be the contrarian, yeah, I and I like do. to do that sometimes, yeah. is that you want to avoid Joe Flacco starts in the NFL, and you want to avoid Mitch Trubisky starts. And I would say that, you know, it's like the 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 block punt, the block kick. What's the most effective way to block a kick? Just run right through the kicker, right? Yeah, but we've yeah. ruled that that's not legal. Right. So you have to figure out a different way. You have to dive for a point in front of the punter or kicker to avoid contact with them. I mean, maybe that's what defenders have to do. It's just like the most effective way to take down Justin Herbert is to run through him and land on top of him. In that situation, maybe you just got to try to figure out a different way to, I, to sack I, I him. I guess. It just it doesn't seem like they... I mean, he, he literally is hitting him and on his way yeah. down, he's putting two hands out. Yeah. He's going to break his own elbows because he knows everybody's been talking about I'm hyperextend my elbows to protect the quarterback. And make 345 happy. And that's, that's wrong. And then it is. And, and again, to me, it's well, what are we doing once again? We're penalizing the team that didn't play good football. You didn't block somebody. You guys didn't pick it up. You threw an incompletion. They played everything right. Hey, we just want to give you another chance. And I, I yeah, hate that. I, I don't it. like that. But at the end of the day, they're protecting superstar quarterbacks like Brock Purdy in the NFL because mm-hmm. they want to keep him healthy. As we move on to the 49ers. Uh, defeating Tom Brady and so the Tampa there, that Bay just, Buccaneers. So that just fucked your point up, though, right there. What? Well, look at Brock Purdy. For every Brock so, Purdy, there are, I don't want to say. <laughs> you don't know. You don't <laughs> That's know. true. No, it is true. It's no. part of the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we want, we want Justin Herbert yes, healthy. We, do. we want Tom we do. Brady healthy. We would love to have uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, but it is super fun watching Brock Purdy come in there. And he looks... I mean, like, I, I don't want to get, you know, it's like know. two games, right? It, it looks like he belongs, right, Alvin? It, it does look like he right. belongs, yeah. right? It looks like he has a command of the offense. looks like he's, he's maybe more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo was. Definitely, definitely. That's um, definitely an element he brought to the table yesterday, right? There you go. Well, this could mean something that, you know, teams are going to have to worry about a little bit here with him compared to Garoppolo. First game, you think, oh, maybe a fluke. You know, the other yeah. team wasn't ready for him. Beginner's now, luck. Game, beginner's luck. Now right. you go against a Buccaneers defense who was missing a couple uh, key players in the secondary. I don't think Winfield played right. Mike Edwards 
Diggs was out. Vita Vea got hurt in the game. But still, uh, it's an NFL defense, and this is a last pick in the draft. Uh, San Francisco touchdown passes on throws outside the numbers and 20 or more yards downfield. I love it. Jimmy Garoppolo last three seasons, two. Brock Purdy in the second quarter yesterday, two. Yeah. So uh, he gives them something they did not have. He, uh, as we said last week, his his arm looks every bit as strong as Jimmy Garoppolo's. I, I don't, and and he looks to this point to be a better deep ball thrower. And as we've always said, you know, to me, one of the best things you can do, one of the safest places you can throw for a young quarterback is outside. There's less to read. There's less traffic. There's less arms you're throwing through at the line of scrimmage. You know, you don't have to worry about the receiver catching it and boom, getting crushed. Ball pops in the air, interception. You know, more dangerous things can happen over there. So I would love to see this be more of an element of the 49ers. I've been calling for this for a long time out of the San Francisco 49ers. You know that. Um, but yes, like I'm with you in the fact that this is not doesn't look like, hey, this is a great team that's managing their quarterback and just trying to make it work. You know. It looks like the offense is in. It doesn't look like they're doing a whole lot different. And I'm sure there's a few things that are maybe next level that are maybe not as comfortable for Brock Purdy yet, but I don't think it's going to be something that, like, we're going week 18, they're going, well, he's still trying to find his way in the offense. And then it's the second week in a row we're starting to see them dominate the line of scrimmage a little bit in their true running game. And that's when the 49ers, to me, become scary. Because once they, oh, we can't stop the regular run, Shanahan starts to that this is where he's brilliant then he starts to do 74 different things off of that because you're worried about piling it in the box and stopping in between the tackle runs and then it becomes the other stuff that starts to gash you so you know between the pass game the way McCaffrey looks the defense being dominant and the 49ers got a few calls that went their way yesterday but that was an ass whooping and I think we can stop talking about the Bucks. Maybe you're going to turn it around mm. and find the magic. That shit's over. All right. They're very fortunate to be six and seven. The Bucks, when you look at it in totality, and they could very easily be four and nine. I mean, they very easily. They had no business being the Saints. They had no business being the Rams. I mean, you just take those two alone, let alone some other, you know, underwhelming performances. But yeah, I just look at the 49ers and the offense itself kind of seems like it's hitting its stride and the defense definitely bounced back from not being at its best last week against Miami and Tua and company. Yeah, 14 carries for Christian McCaffrey, 119 yards after on this podcast. You said maybe he should be a wide receiver and not the running back. He goes, I'll show you, Chris. <laughs> Keep me in the backfield uh, I, You here. know, but then like you saw his like, little double move for the touchdown, right? One of those throws outside the numbers, one touchdown was to Ayuk for a touchdown. The yeah. other one was to McCaffrey. Yeah. And he ran a little bit of like the, like, I'm going to run the slant, or he stopped like he was, and then he went by him. I mean, it's, it's uh, and, and, the, and then, see, that to me is the brilliance of Shanahan, too. Oh, well, they, they think it's Brock Purdy, so gonna, they think we're going to throw it quick and get it out of his hand and be high percentage. So he almost fucks with the defense mindset, too. And they're thinking that all the week, too. Oh, they're going to run high percentage plays and try to get the guy a ball out of the hand quick for this kid. So he kind of uses that thought against them, which is brilliant in itself, too. And then, you know, of course the defense. How can you not talk about that and how uncomfortable just the Bucks looked? Brady looked uncomfortable as, you know, as usual when you see pressure around him right now at this age. Uh, but that was a dominant win by the 49ers. Yeah, dominant win by San Francisco who need Christian McCaffrey now because who knows? Debo Samuel could be gone for a while. Doesn't uh, appear to be season-ending. Yeah, I hope not. Right. But we heard after the game Kyle Shanahan saying high, uh, high likelihood that it's a high ankle sprain. Yeah. 
Um, but man, that didn't look good no. when he was on the field. No, and the replay of it. Yeah, but it's good. that's good news, you know. And I feel like you we'd, we'd know by now if it was something more serious. Um, he runs so hard. It's exactly like, right. His feet jam into the ground because he's always trying to pull people and, and get break that a extra yard. Exactly. Which I, lo- I mean, I love that. I, I, don't, know. I don't know that there's anyone in the NFL who's harder to take down yeah. pound for pound than Debo Samuel. Right. But sometimes it was like growing up watching Barry Sanders. Yeah. Right. He he almost never had runs like that. Right. You know, he would kind of know it's like I could right, really put my yeah I could maybe yeah. get one more yard, maybe right. two. Right. And the problem with Debo is like he could break that tackle and get another fifteen. And it, so we've seen that. This is a conversation I've had with Shanahan before a lot. It's, it's freaking guys like that that usually end up getting bad injuries because they just go, well, nobody's ever stopped me. Oh, get off me. Get off me. I'm still running, right? It's like Bo Jackson. His hip came out of the socket, and you're like, well, yeah, because there was a guy jumping on his back, and he just went, I'm going to keep running. I don't care, right? He's a freak. He's like, I've run with every other guy on my back. Oh, my hip came out. It's a little like that at times, but um, yeah, they need him. We know that, especially to go to the Super Bowl, especially to beat some, you know, the Eagles, somebody like that. But, again, another notch where last week I went, I don't know if I can put the 49ers in the Super Bowl conversation anymore. i got to see more of Brock Purdy. This was definitely a positive little notch to go, okay, well, eh, maybe they do. Uh, maybe they can do it still. And, again, I don't want to make it definitive yet sure. here, but as it's looked in two games, uh, they certainly don't seem like they're desperate without Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, he's already done something that no other – Quarterback making his first NFL start has ever done. He beat, beat the Tom goat. Brady. Yeah. He was 6-0 and previously in those situations. Brady should have gotten in uh, the defensive secondary out there. Played safety. <laughs> He's got to keep this uh, perfect record intact. Seriously. How did he let that happen? Uh, he is what, a not, what a cool thing for his family, right? You saw his dad crying, like, crying a little bit. Yep. And it looked like it was his brother or whatever. I mean, what a great family moment you know, to do that in San Francisco. You know how important it was for Brady to come back to his hometown and give one last hurrah there. Um, I thought the here's one area where I thought the game slipped from the Bucks. That I if I had to go back to, you know, one decision that I felt like was wrong. They were down seven nothing, and the Bucks put together a decent little drive, and they decided to attempt the 55 yard field goal. Yeah, and it was one where I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'd do that. You know, it's Brock Purdy. You know, yeah, they had a good first drive, but you know it's the Shanahan first 15 type of thing. Like, let's punt them down there and let them be in the back. You know backed up to his own end zone, and see if the rookie can do go down the field on us again. I would have played a little bit, I think, the field position at that moment of the game. Instead, what do they do? They give him the short field, right? And they go right down and score eight plays later, and all of a sudden now it's 14 nothing. And that's just not what you want to be involved with, with the 49ers. It's like Tony Dungy said last night, or Jason Garrett, I think, said it a few times. Once they get up by 14... It gets scary against San Francisco because now it's just all these crazy zone coverages and fucking psycho Nick Bosa and everybody else starts going, quarterback sacks, quarterback sacks. And that's where they're they're scary, and and it's hard to protect. I don't care what line you got when they're coming at you. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. It was a big lead. The game was over after it got uh, 
it lopsided. Was, yeah, it was over late in the second quarter. Which we thought was the case with yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs oh. against the Denver Broncos. Right. It was 27 nothing. I was like, well, that one's over. It wasn't. Denver Broncos maybe showing their first signs of offensive life this year. I think this was their highest scoring game of the season. I'm pretty sure it was, I right? Think 23 was their previous high against the Raiders. Yeah. They scored 28 <laughs> against the Chiefs here, all after falling behind 27 to nothing. For Kansas City, they did win. It's their 14th straight win versus Denver, 15th straight road uh, division win. There was some magic made by Patrick Mahomes, which I mean, we talked about. What? On Football Night in America. What? The underhanded little scrambled dish to McKinnon. I, who does that stuff? I, I mean, I know you're probably sick of hearing me talk about this guy and, like, being so dramatic about it. But, I mean, we have three plays this year that are three of the damnedest plays I've ever seen in the history of football, and they were made by one guy in the same season. I mean, the... Steph Curry with a spiral in week two with the Chargers, right? When he, like, weaved the ball between two people and still threw a spiral in the back of the end zone, like, in some weird sidearm way. We have the Bucks whirly bird throw the alley-oop pass up for the slam dunk touchdown, right? When he did that towards the goal line. Oh, yeah. Right? He whirly bird and then went just, like, threw it up in the air like he was throwing an alley-oop to LeBron from half court. Yep. And then this play, like, those are all-time, like, NFL films, like, holy shit plays, and it's the same season. Uh, it's, he, he's got nobody open. He's going to run. He's, it's third and maybe three or four. He's running to the edge. You know, of course, he's typical Mahomes. He's looking downfield as he's running to the edge. Nobody is open. So now he puts the ball in. Wait, I'm going to tuck it and run and see if I can maybe turn the corner and get a tough first down here. And as he's doing that, the guy covering Jarek McKinnon starts to come at him. So now he's now it's so quick he doesn't have enough time to gear up and throw the ball. He, he can't, like, take a normal throw. So he had to, like, huh. I mean, it, it was like <laughs> Magic Johnson going down high yeah. step and no look to Byron Scott. I mean, it's just – I. He, I've never seen anybody as creative with the ball as him in my life. I love that comparison. You used it on Football Night in America. Although when you used it, I yeah. was like, you know, we're getting older. You know, I maybe know, right? that's like when our dads would be I like, know. it's like Pistol Pete Maravich out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, it is. Maybe we it, got updated. You're maybe right. Magic's you're a little right. too old. I know. Who, who do I? Who's I think Steph Curry. Steph you've Curry used it before. Is, have, but, yes. Yeah. Well, I think Steph Curry is a good analogy, too, because covering them out in the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, he was doing things that we had never seen before right. in like highlight plays. And it's like, how did he pull that off? And no look passes. Yeah. But also at that time when the team was really good. Right. They were up there in turnovers. They yeah. would they would make a yeah. lot of turnovers. And there was this balance that Steve Kerr always talked about it's right. like we're never going to eliminate those turnovers because if you eliminate all those turnovers sometimes you eliminate those great plays and we saw it with Patrick Mahomes in this game right I mean yes. three interceptions that tied a career high but I almost wondered it's like are those things are those like a necessary evil are you going to have to have and take some of those Patrick Mahomes bad interceptions we don't see them that often yeah right but you just have to accept that that's part of the game too it, it, it is you definitely got to accept because they got the Broncos back in the game they, definitely you know that's it's where you'd like to they're the one of the all-time momentum teams I've ever seen in my life in football in my lifetime at least where he throws that play and it's like the team went on fire for about a quarter and a half. Everybody, right? They did it, and it was like, and I was sitting in the control room just going, oh, Kansas City, they, he set the sideline on fire. So now they're, fuck it, I'm going to make a play. I'm gonna make. That's the way they are. They're amazing that way. And all of a sudden, everybody's making plays. And then you're like, holy, is this the best team in football? This is amazing to watch. And then it's like, oh, it's 27 nothing. 
we lost a little juice now from that momentum, and we're just kind of hanging. And he th- the, those three interceptions, they were bad. And that's where it just, man, just rein it in just a little in some of those moments because those weren't outside the pocket magical plays, right? It wasn't that. Right. It was in the pocket. I'm going to try to squeeze something in tight here and put a little oomph on it. And it's just like, hey, you're up 27 nothing. There's there's no point in it right now. Don't, don't do it. And you're right. He doesn't do it a lot, but every now and then has these moments. And, yeah, those two interceptions clearly – let them back in the football game. Denver got a little momentum. Then all of a sudden they throw a screen pass to Marlon Mack, and he's, nobody's around. And all of a sudden you're looking up going, what? It's 27-21? Yeah. And it felt like really the Chiefs were kind of hanging on. I mean, it, they were being outplayed. There were some breakdowns. Like Jerry right? Judy was open a couple times. Like, it seemed like there were open. some breakdowns and coverages. Agreed. Agreed. And that's where I, I would like to – I'm going to go back and look at this game a little bit um, just for, for some of that. But – uh, yeah, and then the Chiefs, again, they find the acceleration and they put you away. And But still, a little too dicey for a team that's as good as they are. Uh, but some of those plays and what they do, it's, it's, it's just awesome to watch. And Kansas City, yeah, they're, they're, they're drama. Yeah. It's, like a, it's, yeah. it's like a soap opera with them sometimes. It's like Jersey Shore from back in the yeah. day. Another Jersey, reference from Jersey. back when we were growing up. Uh, 431 yards of total offense versus the NFL's third-ranked defense. And so they did a, That's what a, I mean. a whole just, lot of good things. Yeah, right. It's, but maybe signs of life for Denver here. You know, and maybe that offense. And, and Russell Wilson had to leave when he got hit in the head. I think it's, I don't know if it was diagnosed as a concussion. Yeah. Um, but he left. But uh, I, I felt good for the Denver fans who were there to see that. When it was 27 nothing, I'm sure they were like, what are we doing? Oh, I know. Why are we, why are oh. we wasting our Sunday? Oh, and here? Russell was missing some throws early on. I mean, he threw a few balls that were, it could have been intercepted. Of course, the interception itself on the fourth down to William Gay, which was a great play by him. Great but, man, it's, it's one guy there, right? Like, Mahomes would have never let that ball get tipped, right? Mahomes would have been like, wait, it's fourth down. There's no way I'm going to let you tip the ball in a got-to-have-it moment. And he would have, I mean, thrown it between his legs if he had to, <laughs> knowing Mahomes. But it never would have happened. And then, see, that's Russell doesn't have a different arm angle. It's the same throw every time. That's de- definitely you know, not one of his strengths as far as that's concerned. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned with the Chiefs' defense. Yeah? Yeah, I am. I don't know how you can't be. Spags is a really good coach. I, I get that. They're pretty creative. But I think they're young, and their D-line has not been as dominant. I think that bothers me a little bit. And we just – yeah, we've seen some teams make some plays on them here a little bit. And uh, we'll see. I just don't – that yeah. worries me against you know some of the elite as far as the, the AFC is concerned. They are 10-3, and three, though. Yes, Pick they are. Double-digit wins and in the process giving the Broncos – Double-digit losses, three and ten, and they are officially eliminated uh, from the you postseason. Know what that means the one team this week, and so only one team this week. Yeah, that was it. Damn. That was it. So it is time to lay them to rest, lay and we'll do it right rest. now since we're talking about the Denver Bam. Broncos. When did you? When did you start to write this? When did you? Did you write it this morning? Did you write it last night as soon as they died? When Sunday you, morning. Sunday, Sunday morning? morning. I was like, I anticipated it. You anticipated happening. a loss. Oh, yeah. you, well, look at you, the Oracle. You it, saw the Chiefs were going to beat the. That's Broncos. What they do? It's like newspapers <laughs> with obits. They got those things written and ready to go. All right. Requiem for a team, Denver Broncos. Here lie the Denver Broncos. Expectations were sky high. What happened? How? Why? Now, next season, like it or not, Russ is still your best shot. 
Yes, Broncos Nation, let's cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a little painful. A little painful. It's a it little is. painful. Death, death usually is. It's usually a little painful death. But yeah. who knows? Maybe this will start rolling. Momentum will build into the offseason. They'll figure some stuff out. Well, that, that's what they need to play for right now. You're, you're saying that right. They, they need to play for... Let's get Russell and everybody feeling good so we can build on something when we get back in OTAs and start to show film of things we did, and there can be a little bit of a positive vibe. There is something to that that can carry over, and they, they, they need to work. They have some, some big plays. And, and the other thing, Russell made some big runs. Yeah. You know, that was another thing that jumped out to me in the game. Mahomes, they're down, it's 27-17. He throws the second stupid interception, and Russ's two big runs set them up to make it 27-14, which was encouraging to see, too. Yeah, his best game, probably, as a Denver Bronco. Uh, so maybe, maybe uh, better things on the horizon for the Denver Broncos. Maybe one day they'll look like the Philadelphia Eagles do basically every week. A huge win over your New York Giants. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Pete, Morgan. Uh, Chris, hey, 48-22. This is one of my best bets of the week right here. I knew it was coming. Eagles, the first team to clinch a playoff berth this year. And after the game, Nick Sirianni was like, cool, whatever. Oh, I, I, I know. To do that. I, how like, can you not like him? He was like, well, yeah. Once he, you get to the point of the age, you're like, yeah, we, we assumed we were probably going to yeah, make the playoffs. Right, right. They're, they're, they have, uh, their expectations have begun, gone far beyond playoffs about probably five or six weeks ago where they went, I mean, fucking playoffs. We know we're going there. It's, it's, it's like we said, they've been making moves for the big picture. That's what we've talked about. You know, they're looking at it going, wait, let's get Robert Quinn because we've got to play Mahomes or fucking Josh Allen. And, you know, let's get, let's get a D-line going here and there's some run stoppers here in case we got the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. I mean, they're making moves, yes, Super Bowl-wise, not just to be, well, we'll win the NFC East. Jalen Hurts did it again. Mm-hmm. He threw for 217 yards and so... When blitzed, he was 10 of 16, 115 yards, a touchdown, uh, three sacks, though. When not blitzed, he was 11 of 15, 103 yards, a touchdown, and one sack. What are we trying to show there, Pete? Anything in particular? I guess that good it didn't all, matter, right? No, it, it didn't, didn't matter. matter. No, the Giants had – this was a horrible matchup for them, and they're going to get their ass whooped by the Eagles again Uh-oh. when they play them in a few weeks. Oh, no. It's just not good. You know, again, one, the reality is setting in a little bit. Hey, come on, Giant fans. We all knew. Like, did you? Did we? This was a. We've already won this year. I don't even care what happens. This year exceeded our expectations. Of course, I'm going to keep rooting and hoping they can pull some magic out here. I'm a Giant fan, but this is this is official in you know something I said last night. Like, in the you know everybody in the year where there's no great team. No, it's official. We have a great team. The Eagles are great. They're great. It's going to take a great performance by somebody else to knock them out of the playoffs or knock them out of the Super Bowl. It is. Plain and simple. I mean, there's just nothing you can look at right now. Their defense is rolling. They never let Saquon of the Daniel Jones run game get going. We knew that once that, they can't do that, the Giants' pass game wasn't going to carry the squad. So that's not going to happen. right? They're harassing people. Their pass rush was all over Daniel Jones early. And then... You know, then you add on the Giants making some some bad mistakes too, right? I mean, whether it's the the punt where we dropped it and hit the ground and tried to hit it off there and give them the short field. I mean, those are just mistakes that you cannot make against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they strike. And the Giants who like to crowd the line of scrimmage and want to blitz and play man to man, what? That's Philadelphia's like, please, please. 
You know, he'll stand in there, and then it's A.J. or Devontae Smith, uh, Smith one-on-one. And as you can see, I mean, the Giants had no chance of covering them yesterday. There's good weapons around Jalen Hurts for sure. Two good receivers, a yeah. really good run game. Right. But he is part of that run game as well. He yes, joined he Cam Newton as the only quarterbacks in NFL history with 10 or more rushing touchdowns in multiple seasons. He's the first ever to do it in back-to-back seasons. And now, when you look at MVP odds... Yeah, he's got to be up there. Thanks to Bet MGM, he's not only up there. Is he leading it? He is now the favorite. Mm. Minus 165. A little bit surprising to me. Mahomes is plus 200, and Burrow is plus 700. That's That shocks me. Well, I think stat line. Maybe it, it shouldn't, but. Well, stat line's always a, you know, a real thing, right? I mean, it's, it's stat line, and his stat line is damn impressive. Quarterback of the team with the best record. I it, guess that exact, goes a long way. Right, exactly right. So that's the other element, right? And not only the best record. I mean, clearly the best record, clearly the most consistent team all year long, right? So from that standpoint, I totally understand it. I do. Um, and I think he's going to be, he's not my MVP, he certainly deserves to be in those top two or three conversation. Who's your pick? Well, I'd still go with Mahomes. I would. I'm not going to be a prisoner of just the three interceptions we saw yesterday. Uh, it's, it's Again, to me, the way I look at it a little bit more is Jalen Hurts is just a part of an unbelievable, well-oiled machine where, you know, with the Bills and Mahomes and that, as you've heard me say, and Joe Burrow, they are the machine. And then people try, they try to fill in spots here and there and go, well, this will just help him out a little bit. And, oh, we're not that great in this area, so we'll make it work here. But, oh, don't worry, Mahomes will cover up this area. Don't worry. So there's just a difference there as far as what's being asked. And I don't mean that to be negative on Jalen Hurts, but, yeah, you know, I always play the game of what if. What if we put that quarterback on this team? Right? What if we put Justin Herbert on the Dolphins? What do you think it would look like? It would look better, everybody. A lot better. Like, let's, it's good by Tua. It ain't Justin Herbert good, and it never will be. And that's where I just, I get into this a little bit where, yeah, he's great, but I want to say, you know what I want to say. What do I want to say? Well, Joe Yohannon's going to take you down that road. Yeah, okay. Damn okay, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He's been able to attack the soft spots of the defense and consistently make accurate throws in the pocket. If you take him out of the Eagle system, is he still a top five to ten quarterback in the league? He wouldn't be a top five for me. No. Well, top ten is, you know, I think with his playmaking ability and all that, when you add it all in, he's, he's right around that range. He is. You know, but again, there I think he has to be a part of a team and a system that has a great offensive line. It can run the ball, and that has to be a part of it. If you had to throw him out in Buffalo right now, and you had to go, wait, you got to float around and throw lasers and make unbelievable hap- things happen with overrated talent in Buffalo, as I think people are starting to see again for year three in a row. It's not as good as everybody thinks. It's too centric on one guy. I just go, I don't know if it, I don't think it's going to look as pretty. It's certainly not. But his his throwing has better. I mean, his accuracy and decision-making, all that, it's, it's all really good. No, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I just don't hold them in that you know, regard. Again, I think we're being, a little, we're being a little skewed by how great the team is, and we're giving sure. one guy a little bit of the credit. And I don't want to go overboard and be the hater. I'm not trying to be the hater. But you know me. I just want to make it realistic here a little bit and yeah. what I think. And you I would, think you would already – I'm sorry. Yeah. You're good. You, would, you would already admit that that you were you were I was too wrong. low on him. It was too low on him, right? He's he's 
he plays the position better than I thought. He's a better runner than I thought. And the throwing has gotten better, definitely. But, you know, to the point of the question here by our man uh, at, you know, John Yohannan, very rarely does he have to throw balls into tight zone coverage or any. I mean, everything is they they do such a great job of exposing you in so many ways to where the tightest balls he ever throws are what? Go route 50-50 balls to A.J. Brown, right? You don't really see a whole lot of like, oh, he threaded the needle down the middle between the linebacker and the safety, right? You don't see that. Yeah. Oh, he threw a, you know, a ball out by the numbers in between a, a dropping corner and a safety and just absolutely threw a laser in. But There's the argument would be that, yeah, Justin Herbert can do stuff like that. But he also can't do the stuff that Jalen Hurts can do in the run game. Well, no, he, he can't run so that effectively. He cannot. No, he's not going to be that. That is, But, but like, you, you don't think Justin Herbert could take the read option around the edge and still be effective to where you put him there and do that to where you got to defend it yeah I do you know so again I, I uh he's he's a great player and he's certainly proven me wrong uh but they've done a great job just like we talk about with Tua to me and they have they invented an offense for Jalen Hurts because he couldn't run the other offense it wasn't going to work there which is what you're supposed to do as exactly a coach, right? right I'm not I know I know so I you, you're right keep pushing me pushing back on yeah. me I got you're right you're supposed to do that but I'm just trying to, again, explain that there's flaws to the game. And there's a reason that, you know, they were there in the offseason and the offseason before that flirting with people to come to town and be the quarterback because I think they were going, wait, when we run our realm real offense, practice doesn't look that great all the time. You know, but they've done a great job. And then they have accentuated his strengths and, and built around that. So, yeah. as usual, you've done a good job in making me sound like a Jalen Hurts hater. <laughs> um, I like yeah. him. But, yes, I'm not going to buy into top five just because of stats and yeah. everything like that. That's could not... win the MVP, though. He Vegas could. He thinks could. right now. No and I doubt. guess maybe that indicates the fact that they think that this team could go 16-1. and one. And if you go 16-1 and one, you're the quarterback of that team, you probably do have a pretty good exactly chance right. of exactly. winning the MVP. Exactly right. Exactly. Winning the MVP. The Giants are not going to go 16-1. Uh, and one. They might not get to double-digit wins. Mm. Last thing on them, they're 1-4-1 uh, and one since yeah. uh, they started the season 6-1. and one. Yeah. And you mentioned on the Peacock show last night, you think they might miss the playoffs. I, I do. I don't, I don't think they're getting in. I, I don't expect it. Not that I would ever root for you and Pete and everyone to be sad, but right. that would help my Lions it for would sure. help, Well, I think when I look at the schedules and the way teams are playing right now, I think your Lions and Washington have the inside track. I think Seattle's in deep shit. They got a tough schedule here. They got the 49ers, the Chiefs, and somebody else that's really good. And I'll look it up once we get to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, to where I went, oh, they could, the Seahawks should lose three out of the last four for sure. Yeah. The Giants, I mean, there's nobody on the schedule that we just look at and go, oh, the Giants are better than them. You know, we know they have to play a certain way. Um, so, yeah, I, I is, if you made me pick right now, I'm going to go with your Lions and the Washington Commanders. Lions do own the tiebreaker yeah. over the Giants here, and that is where we begin with our damn okay. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. Damn okay to my Detroit Lions. Damn okay is right. Damn okay to Jared Goff. Damn okay, Jared Goff. 330 yards, three touchdowns, nine for 11 with 76 yards on third down, so making the crucial plays when they mattered the most. Uh, Goff said last week, quote, I feel like I am playing the best football of my career right now. Right. 
and it was on this podcast. I've been saying that you, yeah, for he, a few weeks now. He just Chris Sims told me this, and I think it's right. <laughs> uh, and I said on this podcast last week, I go for the first time, I'm feeling like emotionally there, like I've brought my mind to the fact that Jared Goff is going to be our quarterback next year, and maybe that's not the worst thing ever. Uh, and maybe those two first-round picks we get next year, one from the Rams, one that is ours, that's getting worse by the day, which is yeah. okay with me, uh, should go to defense yeah. and not, not the quarterback. And, Go- and Goff did it again against a Vikings defense that really has not shut down many people. No. But it's not like the Lions haven't been doing this to everyone. No, it doesn't matter. You're right. I mean, it, it, and the big thing is got the win. I mean, the Vikings, yeah, they've looked like this a lot of weeks where teams tear them up and somehow they, they come away with the victory. But third downs and then – you guys scored touchdowns on them. You know, that, that's, I think, the things you look at. They're usually kind of good on th- – not good on third, but okay on third. Seem to be good in situational football. But more in the – wait, you drove down the field and now it's going to be hard to score a touchdown on us. And you guys have – Ben Johnson's awesome. Goff, I'm fourth week in a row, I'm saying it's the best play of his career. You know, they make you defend every part of the football field let alone they got the talent to go along with it. So when you got all of that, you just start to go, shit, what do you stop? The run game's legit, and they always find a few little creative runs too to you know, sprinkle in there a little bit. And then the pass game, I mean, they just do a little bit of everything on offense, and they don't look to throw for four-yard completions. They, and when they drop back, I mean, I mean am, I, am I wrong? It's like they look for – we're looking for 10. We're looking for 15. We're looking for 25. And they put tremendous pressure on you that way. And then, yes, he's pulling the trigger and putting the ball in spots that I've never seen him do till this year. So I'm with you, Amin. He might be the quarterback of your future, and it's good to see. I'm really, I'm really happy for Jared Goff that he's turned the corner, and I think he is showing that he's a, a starting NFL quarterback for sure. That always was your big criticism of Jared Goff. Yeah, he, he's just the offenses were tailored. Sean McVay, it's like these short passes. Maybe he doesn't have the ability to stretch a defense yeah. down the field. He is throwing for his best yards per attempt and passer rating since the 2018 Super Bowl year right. with the Rams. Trist and Shout says, "Hey, Chris and Amin, love the pod, and more importantly, love our life." Lions. There we go, Tristan Shout. Uh, who gets the credit for Goff's surge over the past two months? Play calling, talent around him, Goff himself, or is it something else? Your number 30 quarterback going into the season has been out to prove you wrong. Yes, he has. He definitely has. I think, um, well, one, we got to give it to Goff first. I mean, he deserves the credit. He's the one out there playing, doing it the right way. What I do feel, and I think I've said this to you a little bit, is just that I feel like they've done a good job in – you know, massaging him a little bit, you know, slowly bringing his confidence up, slowly like, hey, you got to make this throw here. This is this. You got to throw it. It's it's a little tight. I know. But I feel like they've pushed him a little bit, a little bit of the hot poker. And he was backed into a corner that way. And I think, you know, saw the writing on the wall a little bit to go like, wait, I, if I don't start fucking playing better. I'm out of here and I'm not going to be a starting quarterback. So I'm going to give him the credit. But then I think you get into the play calling. The offense, as I said, aggressive, but it really ties together nicely, too. That's the other thing, too. They have great play-action passes off of their runs. And then I think when you add on the offense and what they do there, yeah, the talent, it's it's fucking good. I mean, O-line's damn good. Running backs are real good. Receivers with a healthy Jamison Williams for the first time we saw yesterday, you start to go... Good luck matching up against DJ Chark and a healthy Jamison Williams and Amara St. Brown. They're going to run by anybody in football. 
So, I, you know, it's a really a combination of all. And, uh, you know, much respect to Ben Johnson, the OC, and, and Dan Campbell, the head coach. Yeah, they started the season 1-6. No team has ever made the playoffs after a 1-6 start. They've won 5 of 6 since. And Steve Kornacki told America yeah. yesterday that they have a 21% chance of making the postseason. Yep. Why did you ahead. point? Why did you just Why, point? I thought I was. I wanted to make because sometimes you go real quick to the next game, and I want. I'm not to say going. One more no, thing. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm spending as much time as we can on this game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, Delvin Cook was held to just 23 yards on 15 attempts. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Although Kirk Cousins basically did everything he wanted to do in the past game. 425. Uh, yards, a lot of those to Justin Jefferson. It's too much of that, twenty-three. It's too much lately. So it's one. Di- you think it's one, too one-dimensional for the Vikings it, it, offensively? I do. I, I don't think you're not going to get through the NFC playoffs with this style. You know, they they're not they're not a real good running football team. We've said that you know quite often here lately. They want to run the ball after they start opening you up in the pass game. But the Lions' defense is it's changed and. You know, it's not a not as much as a pushover, I should say. Still not great. Through for four hundred and twenty five yards. I, I get it. They find ways to get him the ball. Yeah. They got to find other ways to spread it out a little bit, though, because they're going to play some of these better defenses. They're going to have top corners or creative defensive coach who's going to, you know, they're going to have ways to take him away. But you know, this is the, the things we worry about with the Vikings. Kind of came to it ahead yesterday. Yeah, it, it's two just Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and then the defense is just. It just gets torched every week. So I know they're 10-3, and three, but it, it's one of the less impressive 10-3 and three teams I've seen. I will say here, there's two things that the Dalvin Cook fumble in the goal line, right? They were going to run the little like Derrick Henry, throw it over the line of scrimmage trick play, right? That was a huge moment in the game because I think we were going to see a back and forth just shootout at that point. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. no one's going to stop anybody. But I thought early on in the football game, they made a mistake, um, you know, and the fact that the first drive, and I think it was their first drive, they went for it on fourth and one on the 45 or whatever. Their own 46-yard line. And I just, I didn't understand that. It's just, it's early in the game. Like, why, why, like, why, like, punt it. I know your defense isn't great, but, I mean, you're just going to give the Lions the ball at the 45 if they make a great, miraculous defensive play here, and all of a sudden, you know, you're just going to be down 7 nothing. and when they were two plays later, I just I don't understand some of that, especially early on in the game. Sure. And um, Cleveland did a similar thing that we'll talk about in a minute, where I just let, let's just feel the game out a little bit. Let the teams play. Don't give them fake momentum and let it, yeah. like, hey, you made a stop, and now the offense is running on the field feeling good. And our defense was thinking we were going to get the first down on the fourth down. They were sitting there and kind of not ready because they were hopeful you guys would get it. And all of a sudden, shit, we're on the field. Like, that's a real thing. And I just think head coaches are a little blinded by that right now with the analytics, the the guy in the Mm -hmm. analytics in their ear all the time. All right, devil's advocate. Yep. You would have been saying the same thing about the Detroit Lions. Fake punt, fourth and seven from their own, what, 25. You got a 14-7 lead. Punt the ball. You're controlling the game. You're winning. It's like you get stopped there, Vikings score, it's just like you blew the game. That game actually, or that play. That was a big play. That was a huge momentum play. That was a huge, huge play. 40-something yard run. It was. I mean, you're they right. were aggressive. They were aggressive. Dan, he's been like that all year long. They're not, and I respect that. Yeah. They're not afraid to lose. No, right. No, they're they're not. not afraid to lose they're and, not. and look like an idiot and a blow up in their face. And I think sometimes, like teams like like the Buccaneers and Todd Bowles, for all the good things he does, I think he's conservative. I think he's afraid to. That's kind of the mold of the coach that's afraid to lose. I right? I, I get you. I, I hear you there. And, and and again, he's made a few mistakes the year during the year where I go, oh, I wouldn't like to see that. Sure. You know, he did that in like New England, the first drive of the game. I just okay. It's the first drive of the game. Get a little feel for the game, first of all. And even with that play that you're discussing there, 
I mean, it's a great feel. And I got to, you know, again, yeah, I'm usually the guy that's punt the ball. But they obviously felt there was something that Minnesota did on punt. So there was like, there was something. To call that on fourth and seven, it wasn't like it was fourth and two. They obviously felt like, hey, if they have a look that we like, we're going to run this play. And they got it right there. And, yeah, I mean, who was that that ran down the sidelines? Like, I don't even know. I can't even remember either who it was. Because I remember during oh, the game Moore. going like, who the hell is this guy running C. down the sideline? Moore, side number 38. Yes. Nobody stops Seymour, <laughs> number 38. <laughs> if you're a Lions fan <laughs> and you don't know who uh, he is. Final point, silver lining yeah. for the uh, Vikings. As Pete notes here in our notes, they are still 9-0 and in one-score games. So that, that That's is impressive. That is intact. So don't, you don't have to worry about that. It was a rough one for Minnesota going into that game as an underdog. It's like, wow, no one believes in us. And then well, it's like, oh, they shouldn't believe in yeah, us. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like we've talked about. It, it's amazing they've won, but I... I, I I've never seen a team win as much where I feel like they've gotten outplayed in a football game than the Minnesota Vikings this year. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm excited for your Lions this week. Got yeah. the Jets. That's going to be a test for this offense because this Jets D is real. Yeah. But then after that, Carolina, the Bears, the Packers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you guys are no shoo-in to beat anybody, really. But, but they could run the table. They're, they're better than those teams. You guys are better than the Panthers, Bears, and Packers. You are. Now you just the scary thing is you might have Aaron Rodgers with he's gonna have nothing to play for maybe in week eighteen and that could be scary because yeah. he might want to show you his ass and all of a sudden he just doesn't care and he starts throwing lasers around the football field. <laughs> but yeah. I like your guys' chances, I really do. Yeah, Carolina Panthers you mentioned there, they're they're coming on strong yes, though too. They are. I mean they're kind of looking like my Detroit Lions. Damn okay for the Panthers and their win over the Seahawks, thirty to twenty four. J C Horn. Six tackles, had an interception, two passes defensed. Uh, Seahawks were trying to make a comeback. Geno, I think for the first time, he had multiple interceptions he in did. a game. Yeah. yeah. And so they got to him. And, and the Carolina Panthers did just enough on defense. We know how much talent they have on defense, and they controlled the game by running the ball. I, I think they this is one of their, their they, better wins on the year. I agree. Better wins on the year and, you know, just showing signs of being a real, you know, pain in the butt here. It's you, you, you kind of encompass it, right? The defense has got talent. He's, you know, changed a few things up on that side of the football. But the, the real story is just yeah, the offense and the running game. I mean, their their running game has become almost an unstoppable force here the the last four or five weeks. I mean, it's just smash mouth. And uh, it was one of the things I said on the picks podcast, and I even wrote it down next to my. You know, I, I picked the Seahawks to win, but I, I wrote, like, are the Panthers going to run the ball at will with a question mark next to it? That was the thing that scared me about the game. 46 and, carries woo. total, 223 yards. So run the ball, tough drive, 3 nothing. Gino throws a really bad interception to start their first drive of the game, and now they got a short field. Carolina scores, so it's 10 nothing right off the bat. And that, that that was unfortunate for them. Then the second Geno pick, I just want to add a little context here so people can know this. It's 17-7. I believe it was 17-7 at the point. The Panthers jumped off sides. He, they didn't call it. He mm-hmm. thought he had a free play. And the announcers, I, I tuned in and like, you know, hey, put that on. I'm going to see hear what they're saying because we had, you know, the other games on too. And – Oh, they were saying the same. It, it looked pretty egregious. The guys, it looked like Brian Burns. I think it was Brian Burns, 53, who was clearly on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So Gino, now he's getting pressure, but he thinks he's got a fret play, free play. 
He kind of throws a ball aggressively down the middle off his back foot, see what's going to happen, and they didn't call it. And that gave Carolina the short field, and I feel like that's where they maybe got the uh, maybe the field goal. Um, yeah, they got a field goal to go up twenty to seven. Excuse me, I'm sorry, but the, so so that that to me was a big part of the football game, and that Seahawks defense is just not very good as we know. Yeah, and they rely on that offense to kind of get them out in front, so then they can be crazy and not have to worry about stopping the run. And that didn't happen today. And that offense for the Seahawks may have been able to do that if they had Kenneth Walker or even mm-hmm. Dallas in the backfield. They were both out. T.J. Homer got most of the carries. They were not able to get an effective run game going there. Uh, so the the Seahawks are kind of they're still kind of holding on to a playoff spot yeah. here seven and six those wins early in the year I mean they all matter yeah right and you get those early and even if you're not playing well at the end you still might have enough to give you the advantage now Carolina they control their own destiny isn't it amazing in the NFC South it's amazing they got Pittsburgh they got Detroit they're at Tampa and they're at New Orleans they could win this division well the the, the only team that like Pittsburgh is perfect. They're, they're, oh, with defenses struggle, run the ball. They're going to be very comfortable. With that Tampa's going to be like that. The Saints are going to be like that. You know, so that's the good thing for them. Carolina, I don't think is capable of you know winning too many games, thirty to twenty four, a whole lot. I don't think that's what they really want to be. Yeah. But they're playing some teams here down the stretch that you know the game I think is going to be right in their wheelhouse of you know twenty to seventeen, twenty four twenty, seventeen fourteen. Now, the Detroit Lions on, on Christmas Eve is going to be mm-hmm. the one where, yeah, they might have to score some points and, and match the scoreboard a little bit because we haven't seen anybody slow down Detroit. But uh, if you just took it right now and went Tampa, Carolina, Carolina's playing better football than Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. It is, Tampa's had two clutch drives at the end of the game against two teams that have fucking basically given up on the year with the Rams and the Saints. And if they didn't have that, we'd be going, man, Tampa stinks. They're just they're they're not very good. Yeah, and uh, Carolina's not that good either. But uh, someone's got to no. win this division. Somebody. And How crazy is that? I'm almost getting to the point where fire the coach and we're back in the playoff know, conversation. Right? Uh, and he might not even get the job afterwards. Uh, I'm kind of to the position, and and people have talked about this in the past. Of you know, do we? Are, is Many it time people to, are saying, is it time to get rid of the divisions? Right. I mean, you have a, you're going to have a team that's probably going to be below 500 win the division here. Maybe it's maybe it's time to get rid of those. And Pete says, should division winners get I know a home Pete's, game, guaranteed Pete's a, home game? Pete's a, a big, a big uh, I, I But I'm you. almost like, what, what's the point of divisions? What's, what's the real point of it? You know, rivalries, but you can still have rivalries, right? You can still play your rival. Well, I you still know, think the, it sets up the playoff. But, but you see, like, some of this stuff, it's like you have built-in advantages if your division sucks, right? I, I, I get it. I, I mean, I hear you. There's, every three, four years, we get a team like this, right? Where we go, damn, I mean, they've done this. But the, the problem is, too, we got into a few years where there's teams like this. Like, I remember Carolina won, you know, was 7-9, and nine and got like, and then they win a playoff game. And yeah. you go, well, shit. And then they almost won a second one. And we're well, like, holy shit. Then, and for so, me, that's an argument against it still, right? It's it? just like, kind of, right? Because yeah. it shows you in football, one game, anything can happen. And so if you do open it up and let more teams in and you let teams with below 500, some of them are going to win. Yeah, yeah. You know, just in the nature I, I of football. I hear you there. I hear you there. And no, so it's right. like I, I almost think that's an argument to not have that I get happen. you. Yeah, maybe if there's anything, you know, again, I'm a traditionalist. I punt on fourth and seven like you <laughs> talked about. But but um, uh, I, I would be up for 
if you were below 500 and won the division, you don't get the home field, the sure. home game. It goes to the highest seeded wild yes, card team. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that I'd, be okay. I'd be okay with. Um, but the rest of the stuff you're talking about, no, I, I kind of like it. Football's been working here in America for a while, so I, I like the way it is. <laughs> don't We don't want to break it. We don't want to break it. Some people think that the, the Bills' offense might be a little broken uh-huh. right now. Uh-huh. Uh, although defensively, they were good enough against the Jets, hitting Mike White around. We're going to give the damn okay for the Bills' 20-12 to win over the Jets to Gregory Rousseau. So even without Von Miller, six players had a quarterback hit. Rousseau had two sacks, forced a fumble. A.J. Epinesa was good as well. And David Taylor asks you, is the Bills' D-line just as good without Von Miller if other guys step it up like this? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be okay Without Von Miller. If other guys play like Von Miller, can they replace Von Miller? <laughs> yeah, right, right. They're, they're going to be okay without Von Miller. The Von Miller thing was like we've talked about. It's more about those three or four games, those three or four instances where you just go, wait, we're playing Kansas City and we can never corral Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess who was corralling them when they beat him in Kansas City this year? I mean, we talked about it. the end of the football game. Von Miller was the guy that was all over Patrick Mahomes. That's where they got Von Miller. They're going to be okay against most teams. It's like it's just when you're playing Mahomes and Joe Burrow, you're going to be okay. That that's they made that move like we were talking about the Eagles before. It wasn't about the totality of their team. It was like next level. Like we know we're going to be in the playoffs and going to be good. We're we're making this move to win the fucking Super Bowl. Period. Like not to like oh we'll be we'll be twelve and four instead of eleven and five. Like, that's not why they made the move, and that that's where I worry about it. It's just it's those games. The AFC, oh, you, you know, you, you could end up playing Lamar, Joe Burrow, and Mahomes three weeks in a row, and it could come down to the last two drives of the games, and can you sack them and corral or make them throw a ball where, you know, he throws it before he doesn't want it. That's where they miss Von Miller. But, but as a whole, you know, their defense is still really damn good. They got depth, and they got a lot of good players on the D-line. So you're a Bills fan. That's, that's your favorite part of this game. You're like, man, that defense looked pretty good even without Von Miller. Yeah. You're perhaps a little worried about the offense. Of course, it was gross and cold and rainy and sleety and snowy. Uh, first dra- 10 drives of this game, though, ended with a punt. Oh, it was totally a defensive struggle. But Until the, one play. But the Bills were outgained by the Jets, 309 to 232. Um, they had a lot of lows, Buffaloes, if you if you want to yeah. throw that out yeah, there. Yeah, I like that. Um, so that was the we'll name of the We'll save that for give here. me the headlines next time. I didn't think Buffalo. of that. That was probably Gabby back in the back thinking of, thinking of that, or Peter Kristen. Yeah. Uh, well done, Gabby. So but it's funny. They played each other two te- two times, yeah. these two teams, and I feel like the team who played better lost in each game. Like, I felt like Buffalo outplayed the Jets the first time, and and Allen just made some bad mistakes. You thought the Jets outplayed the, the Bills? Yesterday, I, I felt like the Bill, the Jets were the better team on the field. I mm. did. Uh, it, again, it's hard sometimes because Josh Allen erases things and makes a play every now and then. But, hey, that Jets defense is awesome. And you were saying it, right? I mean, the big part of the game was – before, right after the two-minute warning, it's the end of the second quarter, and they fake the fourth-and-one snap on their own side of the field where they're going to punt the ball. Jets, you got to be smart. Dawson Knox fakes like he's going to be Travis Kelsey and get the quarterback sneak, right? Yeah. And C.J. Mosley goes Superman over the line of scrimmage, extends the drive, and they get, that get them going a little bit and makes it 7 nothing. So... You know, they scored on four straight possessions, did yeah, Buffalo. Right. So that, that, that kind of got things going for them right there. And the third quarter was good, but it was never easy. We know that. And 
you know, the Jets made some mistakes, you know, throughout the second half of the football game. And, and, you know, when I say I felt like they were the better team, I don't mean that by, like, a lot. I just mean, like, it felt like the Jets were controlling a lot of areas of the football game. Again, there was no run game for Buffalo. You know, the pass game, as you saw it, like, it wasn't Josh Allen missing throws. He missed a few, don't get me wrong. But, man, when they were showing replays and stuff like that, you're going, I, I don't see much open. There ain't much there. Yeah. And then that pass rush for the Jets is real, right? I mean, the, the big problem with the Jets is just, you know, it's, it's protecting the quarterback, uh, capitalizing on drives where you do move the football. That's been the issue for them the last two weeks. And, and you know, they've had all these yards and big moments, but they can't score touchdowns. And that's their biggest issue uh, and why they lost the two games in a row. Mike White was under pressure 40% of his dropbacks. In his previous two starts, it was 19.5%. We saw him get hit a couple times. I saw some people tweet at you, too. They were like, man, that looks like uh, an injury that uh, Chris Sims once yeah, had. Yeah, like I was saying injury. I was, Were you really? Yeah, I was going, man, that's, that's spleenish. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he had like a little bit of a maybe a lacerated kidney, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he got crushed a few times. He did. He really did. Um, good, you know, credit to him. Hey, he, he, he played well. He did a lot of good things. Hung in there under pressure. You know, their first touchdown drive, I mean, they did it just because he made some great third-down conversion throws to kind of keep the ball going that way. But, you know, that that's where you – know, I this game, this game should have been like 13-12 or 15-13 or something like that. I just look at that, that Mosley Superman on fourth down – Mike White getting hurt and then them going to the drop back. And Pete could tell you, when Joe Flacco was coming in the game, I go, well, this Joe's going to hold the ball too long and he's going to get strip sacked. I, I was calling it. Well, I, I might say that every time. Well, because he does it every time. So, shit, you speak up and say it first then, Pete. Okay? <laughs> I said it. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I was like, oh, this just has the feel of him holding the ball too long. And, and then there that goes. And then you drive down the field one time. And there they are in field goal range. And Michael Carter fumbles, right? You know, I think Michael Carter fumbled on, what was that, the 20, 18, 23, somewhere in that range there. So they really blew some opportunities to make this game very dicey. It's just all I'm saying, Ahmed. Yeah. You know, maybe I shouldn't say they were the best. I felt like they were the better team on the field. I am going to say that. I yeah. am. Not by much. But- Not by much. But their mistakes cost them the right. fact of showing, you know, we truly are the better team on the field. Which, and, uh, yeah. which is scary when you got Josh Allen. You just can't do that. Jets are 7-6, and six, uh, hanging on to a playoff mm. spot. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Now time to enter the newsroom. It's time for Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Two games to provide headlines for, and Chris is on his game today. Oh, baby, I'm on my game? I already know the you're headlines. Giving me, you're giving me some props here, huh? So we have two games you, you submitted. Uh, at the traffic light on the, the way in. Light. Right. I was thinking about it because I saw the text this morning, and I went, okay, these are the games. I've been thinking. Yeah. Got to a traffic light. Uh-huh. 
So, okay, Ravens, Steelers, we're going to do that. Give me the headlines. Bengals, Bengals, Browns. Let me think of that. Yeah, I'm like, we're going to sell a lot of these prints. Oh, big time. This newspaper's going to sell. Big time. Digital, though. We're not cutting trees down. Digital copy. Yeah. We'll start with the Ravens beating the Steelers by 216-14. The final score. Your headline for this game is... Tribisky. There it is. Oh, baby, it ain't true, Bisky. It's Tribisky. Get it? Try as in try interceptions thrown yeah. that cost your team to win the football game? Three interceptions tied a career high from 2018. Kenny Pickett had to leave in the first quarter, uh, went into concussion protocol. Unfortunate to see that. Uh, so, Trubisky, and we talked about before this podcast, the unfortunate thing is there were some good plays. He made some good plays. You're right. And Mitch Trubisky made some good plays. Hey, it's it's as unfortunate. Not more than the bad, though. No, well, the, the bad were just in just the absolute worst moments. You know, again, early on, hey, Baltimore controlling the game, running the ball well, doing some things. Trubisky gets in the game, drives them down for you know, a touchdown. And they go, oh, that that you know looked good, right? He made some great throws to make it ten to seven. Ravens got the ball. Huntley right has the fourth and one. They don't get it. He gets hit in the head. He's in concussion protocol. Here they go. They're going down the field, and you're going, uh, Steelers look like they kind of got the mojo and got the momentum of the game. Field goal range, horrible interception down the middle of the field. You know, Followed up by another one a little later where just field goal range. Middle, like, and, you know, again, a little bit like the last game where – I, I kind of felt like as I was sitting there watching it that Pittsburgh was playing better than Baltimore. But Baltimore just didn't have self-inflicted wounds and just hung in there, and they ran the ball and controlled the clock a little bit. And that was really you know, the difference in the game. I think like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, they're really disappointed today because they're probably looking at it going, that game is kind of going just the way we wanted it. Yeah. You know, and I got to have a hard time thinking Kenny Pickett would have made some of those mistakes. That's the one thing he's been great at, taking care of the ball, throwing efficient throws, Playing defense, controlling the clock through the short pass game and the run game. And Trubisky just got too aggressive and too loose with the football. Yeah, he threw the ball 30 times. He only had eight incompletions. Yeah. It's just that three of those went, yeah. went to the he other made team. made plays in the, with his arm. That other team has a quarterback uh, issue as well. Lamar's out. Uh, Tyler Huntley went down in this game with a head injury. Saw that a lot in the NFL, unfortunately, yesterday. Yep. Uh, but good news for them. They can say, J.K., we do have a run game. That was the alternate headline I was thinking of there. Uh, just kidding. That's we can run good. the football. That was good. That you, was you're good, allowed right? to overtake my headline. Mine wasn't that great. That's like, a sub-headline okay. to the I mean, article. I don't work for like you know the Daily News or something, or you just got to listen to what I say. <laughs> is, that what, is that how the Daily News operates? I, I guess. I don't know. The guy seems to be creative with his headlines. <laughs> now, uh, J.K. Dobbins, eight rushes. That's uh, Oh, no. He had eight rushes. No, 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 no. Oh, 15. versus the stack box, though. Oh, this yeah, is the stack box. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, get your uh, fucking uh, uh, PFF AWS I just, do right the, I just do the headline, then someone else <laughs> writes the story. Uh, yeah. For the game, he had 15 rushes for 120 yards, but as we note here in the rundown, eight reverses stack boxes, and in 75 yards on those rushes with a touchdown. I was surprised. I was surprised. I, I thought Pittsburgh would be able to stop. You know, Pittsburgh's run defense has been pretty good all year. I thought... Well, with that passing game, backup quarterback, all that type of stuff, that they'd, they'd feel comfortable or be able to stop the run, knowing, hey, here it comes. We're going to stack the box, do that. But, you know, the Ravens, Ronnie Stanley's back, and, man, they just you know, got it going. Between Dobbins and Edwards, you know, it just seemed like they, they pushed back the, the Steelers' D-line quite a few times. I mean, the big run he had up the middle, the 44-yard gain that set up their first touchdown, you know, that 
It looked like they literally just went like, like, like just fire off the ball, and we got double teams on guys, and they just pushed people back and made a huge hole. The other big runs seemed like pulling guard type of plays, but hey, you know me, Ahmed. To me, that's when they had to have that run game work yesterday because of the quarterback situation. They got to have that run game work like that if they really want to make a run in the playoffs because we've discussed it. Their pass game is just not good enough to just go, oh, well, we can drop back 40 times and torch you and beat you that way. So that was encouraging for them. And, you know, then their defense makes a few plays. Another thing, the interceptions by Trubisky, they had a field goal blocked. Calais Campbell got his big right paw up there and blocked a field goal. Uh, So that that just – Ravens, hey, they won. Good for the Ravens. They're tough as fucking shit as we know, as Mm -hmm. always. Um, But it was a win that I don't come away going, I feel better about the Ravens. I think they kind of got it back on track. I don't know. We'll see. It's just everything seems a little bit of a struggle for them right now. Yeah, it feels like a team that needs that running game and will go as far as Lamar can take it. And then they need the run game so then Lamar can have his runs off of it and then they can run play-action pass and there's Mark Andrews down the middle. Uh, That's what they're built to do. Um, But, yeah, they're going to have to weather the storm here without Lamar, it sounds like, for another week or two. They're 9-4. and As are the Cincinnati Bengals oh, after winning yeah. the Battle of Ohio against the Cleveland Browns, who dropped to 5-8. and eight. Your headline for this game is? You know whose state it is. It's Joe Ohio. <laughs> that's right, baby. Joe Ohio. That's right. You are. He's uh, uh, Joe. Joe's the man. He really is. His first win in five career starts right. versus Cleveland. So he just wins one time, and you're already giving the whole state yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving the whole state to him. He deserves it. I mean, he's going to the Super Bowl. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl. You know, he's uh, clearly he's the best football player in that state. So I can say that. And he's a homegrown Ohio native. So I am going to give him Joe Ohio, okay? That's Joe Ohio. He's Joe Mama Browns. That's what he did to you. So he does this <laughs> yeah. without Tyler Boyd, yep. who got hurt, mm-hmm. finger injury, uh, without T. Higgins, who played like one snap and then had to come out because uh, he aggravated a hamstring before the game. So he just had Jamar Chase, which is a good one to have. Um, but we've seen this a lot. They've they've had a lot of their weapons down, and Joe Burrow just makes it makes it work. Yeah, they just they just made it work yesterday. Like it wasn't pretty or sexy. It was kind of like a gritty, you know, performance by them. Not a lot of big plays in the pass game. You know, the the flea flicker to Irwin down the middle was was the play as far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, a good tough win against a team that you know for a lot of reasons matches up well with them a little bit. They didn't protect all that great yesterday. Clowney and and Miles Garrett were around him a lot. Um, But he just doesn't let that ruin the game. And then the Bengals, you know, for the most part, are are just – they don't shoot themselves in the foot a whole lot. They had the interception, and that was Jadeveon Clowney making like an unbelievable – you know, tip pass, right? I think it was, I think that's how it went down. He tipped it and topped it. Tipped the, one of the linebackers got it. But it, what, what I will say is, like, hey, there were some things encouraging for the Browns. The Browns, like, find a way to do self-inflicted stuff every week. You know, I know I brought them up early in the show. They drive down the field to start the game, and it's fourth and one. You know, again, I'm just get the points. Get something positive going on the sideline. I mean, they do shit like that, and then, you know, they're playing good defense, and they got the Bengals backed up, and they rough the punter. And now, oh, Joe gets to come back out. And then it's a big P.I. on Jamar Chase, and all of a sudden you look, well, the Bengals haven't really done shit, but they're going down the field and going to score here because just the Browns are screwing shit up, 
right? And that's just a little bit annoying about the Browns altogether. But Deshaun looked a little bit better. Uh, he definitely did. He made a few nice throws and plays yesterday. But I just look at the Bengals in a tough matchup once again and just go, you know, there's just not a weakness to their team. You saw them stop the run. Yep. And then, which they didn't do the first time they I know played. They did. 140 yards right. rushing the first time they played. They held Chubb to two and a half yards per carry. Yeah, yesterday. something like that. It, n- it never looked like he had anywhere to go. They're, they're just a different defense now that DJ Reader's back and healthy. He's just he's a killer in the run game. Um, but you know, just you know, after that though, yeah, they got up and then had control of the game a little bit, and then they don't have to worry about the run, and they got to play past defense, and it wasn't pretty, but they found a way to kind of close it out late, and, and that was that. And the Bengals, I think, are you know maybe not the sexiest all the time, but I think they are one of the best teams in football. Yeah, clear top three in the AFC, I yeah, think, with the I think Bills so. and the I agree Chiefs with you there, and right. the Cincinnati Bengals. That was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Two more games to go. Last, but Pete notes here, certainly not least, Still good games. Uh, noteworthy that every game yesterday had some sort of playoff implications. So yeah. Cowboys trying to get right. that number one seed almost looked like it was going to be the shocker of the of the season. They were a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the one-win Houston Texans. Hayden Waxen, Waxen uh, says after the Cowboys win by just four, is it concerning that the Cowboys can barely beat a bad team when the Eagles are consistently stomping them? Well, I, I hear you. Listen, they, they, they were a little they, – they did not play great yesterday. They were, I think, a little – unmotivated, whatever, asleep at the wheel. It, let's, let's, you know, again, don't always look at records and just go, oh, but just because our record's this and their record's that, we should blow them out, right? I mean, again, we saw this Texans team be 14-14 and a half with the Eagles yeah. five, it, six weeks ago. That's true. You know, they've been a pain in the ass for teams here. And you know, there are teams where you know, certain matchups happen, and I think with – Again, the thing we see with the Cowboys is just a little scary, and we saw it again yesterday. It's just when, when a when a team has got a bigger physical offensive line and they got a run game, things can get a little dicey for Dallas. And then Dallas has to go too much on stopping the run, and then all of a sudden that leads them a little vulnerable to some big passes in the in the pass game. You know, Texans played well; they made some. You know, some big plays, certainly. But I looked at it more like Dallas asleep and Dallas making stupid mistakes more than anything. I mean, they drive right down the field. You feel like, oh, my gosh, they're just carving them up. This is going to be easy as can be. They get a stop, and you're going, oh, here they go. And and Dallas is another team a little bit like Kansas City. It's a momentum team. They really are, right? This seems that way to me, at least. Sure. And once they get going, they're like, oh, we're the Cowboys, and how about them Cowboys? And here we go. Right, and it's just all of a sudden, it's just everybody starts making plays. What if they're all talking like that? I in know. The huddle. Well, that was my that was my Texas <laughs> accent. I did, I did live down they're there just for a little in that while. Huddle, like, How about them Cowboys? How about that like Cowboys? Just saying that back and forth <laughs> to each other. But then they drop the punt. Right, Turbin drops a punt early. Yeah. Dak throws an interception backed up pretty early, and uh, they just they made some mistakes and some moments to give you know te- the Texans a second breath of fresh air all yeah. the time to where they can never really you know get in front of them and put them in an uncomfortable position throughout the whole game. I mean, Dak throwing the interception down by his own own goal line there with five minutes left. I mean, and- horrible, great goal line stand by Dallas to make the stop there. You know, to keep it a three score a three point game and make it still twenty three twenty. Yep. Um, so that was that was a big moment, but. You know, Dallas, I'm not concerned with. I'd be more concerned with the way Minnesota looked yesterday as compared to Dallas. I would. Dallas, we've seen it. I, I think that's the thing, too. It's like everyone knows that 
uh, every once in a while you're going to have a stinker, a clunker sure. in the NFL. Yeah. We've seen them be dominant offensively and defensively this year. And we so saw how many, how many more times this. It's not right. like they just lost it in right. one game. How exactly. many more times do you need to see it? It's yeah. like it's, it's there. It's the NFL. Yeah. Every team's got good teams and, you know, one, two mess up by your team and this team an NFL player makes an NFL type of play and all of a sudden you go shit we were better but it's mm-hmm. close it's the NFL that's what's great but I think your point's real we've seen them be dominant really three games in a row I mean they killed the Vikings they won by eight against the Giants and it was by more than that I mean they you know missed a field goal at the end and let the Giants go down and get a cheap touchdown they, they, they could have they won that game 31 to 13 they killed the Colts, what we saw, with that momentum swing in the fourth quarter last week, right? So, yeah, I think this is one of those games where players get caught off guard a little bit. The Texans got pride, and they're living in the state of Texas, and they're sick of hearing about the Dallas Cowboys, so they're fucking motivated that way. And Dallas is like, oh, the minor league team in the state's coming up to town here to play us. So there's a little bit of that human element that goes into that, too. Here's my one concern a little here. I do not like the way Dak Prescott looks, though. Ooh. I don't like... The way, again, I know there's still good throws and all that, and it was some great throws in the last drive. But last few weeks, I just feel like I've seen some throws where, yeah, it just loses control, doesn't have great pop on the ball. He's got a little bit of his front leg lockout, come way over the top of the ball issue working, and I know that's an issue with him because we talk, we've talked about it, him well, and I. Well, we saw it last year, too, I know. at the he end of the year. goes through little that? phases of this every now and then where it's kind of his kryptonite. He falls back into this old throwing motion that he used to have, and mm. you know that's why he does those hip stuff and all that before the game because he's trying not to do that, but it's hard because it's naturally in him that way. Um, still, again, bad mistakes in the game. I know he's still good, but I'm just throwing out a little food for thought there as far as he hasn't been as sharp as I know he can be. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, Cowboys, a team uh, in the playoffs that uh, probably feels pretty good about themselves, even though they didn't win by as much as they thought they probably should have last game. Can't say the same thing about the Tennessee Titans right now. No. They are still in the playoff picture, but they are not feeling great at all. Fire the GM midweek, and then they go down to Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. 36-22, our final game here. Um, yeah, this is, rough. this is rough for yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Well, it's we like, saw them do stuff that we don't see Tennessee do, and they can't afford to do some of it. You know, they're not, like, super, super talented. We know they're real good and tough and physical, right? This, this is another game, like, it's almost like the other, where you chalk it up to go, here's a team that's kind of controlling, but it's the NFL, and all of a sudden you make a mistake or two, and the other team makes a play or two, and all of a sudden you're in a dogfight. It's 14-7. to 7. They're driving down the field, and you're going, well, shit, they're just going to move the ball at will on Jacksonville again today here. I mean, fucking Derrick Henry, it seemed like he had 100 yards at like halfway through the second quarter running the football. 96 in the first quarter. Yeah, so... You were just going, man, they're, just, they're, they're not going to be stopped. Tannehill threw a horrible interception, up 14-7 to seven, driving. You know, so that led to Jacksonville points and a field goal there. And then you have, you know, he got strip-sacked early on in the football game by Trayvon Walker. That gave them the first seven points. 
And then they drive down before the half, right, Amon? And King Henry fumbles along the sideline. Yeah. Jacksonville gets it, scores before the half. I mean, that was more Jacksonville than... It was big hits, was right? huge Big hit. plays. But we just... My point is we don't really see Tennessee do that stuff a whole lot. Sure. And they're not the type of team that can overcome those mistakes. You know? I think you would agree, right? They want to run the ball play from ahead a little bit. They're not a yeah. team that once we get down by, you know, 10 points, you're going, oh, they're in trouble because they're not built to pass and come back and beat you that way. I mean, it sucks that Traylon Burks got hurt yes. and wasn't playing in this game because he was starting to emerge as that guy, I maybe. I know. It could be the downfield threat for Ryan Tannehill, but uh, yeah, it's rough, but give credit to the Jaguars. Goal line stand, too, says damn okay to the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. As Chris mentioned, Trevor is playing awesome lately, and the defensive talent really showed against Tennessee. So, this is what you've seen from Jacksonville. They show didn't moments. see it against a great dominant team like the Lions. Well, that week. was shocking. It was just, it just, I, I, and I finally backed off Jacksonville last week. I mean, <laughs> I picked the Titans to win a close one. Yeah, but uh, this was a game where, you know, I just, I, I actually picked the Titans to cover the spread just barely because I was like, I'm so, I picked Jacksonville so many times to cover the spread to keep a game close. I'm, I give up. I'm, I've been burned too many times. Yeah. And of course, this is the day they, they do cover the spread and win that game outright. But yeah, Trevor, Trevor is, he's arrived. He's, he's arrived. It, it, it is. He just looks so comfortable and confident and assertive in how he's, you know, just letting the ball go. There's a, there's an element of every throw now where you look at it. It almost feels like, and again, I don't want to put him in Mahomes or Herbert or, you know, but it just seems like when he's getting ready to throw, you're like, oh, he, you can t- oh, he sees something. He's about to uncork it. And there's just a little of that going on right now where you're going, oh, he's ready to – he's going to hit Evan Ingram for a 30-yarder. He's going to hit Zay Jones for the big play. You know, there's a little of that going on right now, which is fun to watch. And, yeah, yeah he's feeling himself for Same sure. Same thing like we kind of just mentioned about the Dallas Cowboys. Like we've seen them be dominant. Yeah. Like, of course they're going to have a clunker every once in a while and right. Trevor will. But now he's got tape of – him carving up some pretty good defenses in the de- NFL. Definitely, definitely. And he's he's showing why he was the number one pick, and he's starting to have moments of like, you know, as we talked about two weeks ago, like, hey, I'll carry you guys here through this moment, no problem. Uh, big win for them. Good job, Jacksonville. Yep. And Tennessee, here's the other area I'm a little worried about. The D-line. You know, the D-line's still really good. And I understand they played the Eagles last week, but I, I guess it's lack of plays by the D-line that's a little concerning. You know, I know they didn't run the ball on them yesterday, but Trevor seemed pretty comfortable throughout the day. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, again, I'm trying to watch seven games at 1 o'clock, but I never felt like – and, yeah, I'm sitting here looking at this. Tennessee got zero sacks. I never felt like Trevor was in, uh, un, you know, under stress or duress during the game and was shocked a little bit about the big plays in the pass game that the Titans let up. I mean, this is a team, again, you heard me a few weeks ago going, their pass defense and all the things they do, yeah. it's so great. I can understand the Eagles tearing them apart because they got into, wait, we're just going to play man and we have to stop this run game. Right. So that wasn't like necessarily breakdowns. That was just like, no, their players are better than yours. Yesterday seemed like their actual zone coverages and schemes were exposed a little bit. And uh, that's where I'm, I'm kind of interested to go back and watch that. Evan Ingram was awesome. 162 was. yards, a couple touchdowns. You've Easy hyped him eight. up. You've hyped him up in the past, and he showed it in this game. So that is every game Whoa. from Sunday, including a bonus Thursday game yep. uh, recap. And now we preview, thanks to BetMGM, the parlay preview for the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, Patriots <laughs> at Cardinals. This is a one-and-a-half-point uh, Patriots team that's favored in this one. Yeah. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. 
On Thursday, you picked the Patriots to win by four, so to cover yeah. 24 to 20, and so hitting the over as well. You still confident with uh, Thursday, no. Chris? No. Oh, no. I'm not confident in this. this, this but you're not going to betray Thursday, Chris. No, no. I'm going to, you know me, I'm going to stay true to it. Yeah. But, but let me just throw some things out for food for thought of why this could be scary for the New England Patriots. Okay. One, we know New England's offense is nothing special. Correct. Arizona's got some playmakers and they're creative. So. Uh, I could see them giving the the Patriots offense some issues. To me, the the Patriots, if they can't run the ball tonight, they're going to be in trouble. I, I, they got to run the ball because if they have to drop back against this crew, they have a lot of creative blitzes and they're pretty good at coverage. Where I think against this bland pass offense they got in New England, that's going to be scary. Here's the other thing that's just a little scary with New England too. You know, again, you know, New England play man to man. Yes, they don't play as much man to man as years past. Arizona can throw quick game and, you know, be effective against zone. And I think they're going to spread them out. And is there enough speed on that Patriots front to contain Kyler Murray? And again, I'll talk about Uche again. We saw him. Uche is the guy that I look at. that's going to have to make some plays tonight and corral Kyler as he's just about to break the corner and have a big game. There's some of that. But that does scare me a little bit as far as this. And then even the man-to-man, DeAndre Hopkins is almost uncoverable man-to-man because just even when he's blanketed, he still catches the ball. Um, so those are just some food for thought. I don't feel real confident about this. I think this is very much a coin flip game. I know it's New England, and we're all – but I don't know if New England's as good as we think, and Arizona still has some elements about them that are dangerous. And uh, that's where I think it can be a fun watch for us tonight. I know New England's the team. that They're sitting there at 6-6. Six and six. They're in the hunt. They don't do a whole lot of things well. They're not that exciting. It's like they beat the teams they were supposed to beat this year. That that's how I look at New England. And then like But they can look dominant too. I mean they like beat the Lions twenty nine nothing, which I know. is actually pretty I, significant I, this I, year. I, I hear you. That was a, and I think in a moment of the year where your defense was really struggling. Yeah. Um they kinda had it working in the run game a little bit. You made some stupid mistakes in that game. That was a fourth down to start the game, remember? Give Bailey Zappi the ball at 45-yard line. Yeah. And then Jared Goff went down the field and threw an interception the very next drive as they drove down, right? A little misleading the score. But, yeah, I I know. You know, they've... they've Like, they're going to make the playoffs, and everyone's going to be like, oh, really? I know. I don't know if they will. Even people in New England are going to be like, I don't know. I don't know if they will. Let's just take a year I I think if you made me bet right now, I'm going to say New England doesn't make it. They got Arizona tonight, which I said is dicey. The Raiders will be dicey. They got the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills as the last three games of the year. I I don't see it. Bills, though, might have locked up that one seed. That could be. Or they might have to still be playing to win to make sure Maybe. they get the one seed, right? Yeah. Um, but but that that to me is definitely something to watch. I mean, so are you you think New England's going to make it? I don't know. I just feel like they. Uh, I mean, they made it last year. Uh, I don't know. I think I, they I, will. I don't want them to because I. They're not that excited. They're not that fun. No, right? they're I mean, not that fun. Of a no, team. no. Like, I, what do you what do you yeah. what are you watching them to see? I I think that. You know, sorry, Patriots fans. Know, it's right. just the truth. Well, you said the top three teams in the, the in the AFC: Buffalo, uh-huh. Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Tennessee are going to win their divisions. Or you know, maybe Cincinnati wins that over Baltimore when they play head to head. But then, I was still going to ride with Miami getting in the playoffs, and that just leaves one spot left for the Chargers, Jets, and the Patriots. And I I feel like. I would definitely lean Chargers or Jets yeah. over over the Patriots at this point. 
The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. So say you bet $100 on DeAndre Hopkins to score the first TD tonight. tonight, Okay. And that's the most popular bet on MGM from the game so far. Wow. Ooh, is right. When they get close, they're throwing to him. I can tell you that. If you win, you'll get $750. Okay. But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code sims to make your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars might have to get on that deandre hopkins bet mgm parlay preview right there i know but if it's the most popular one although sometimes the masses are right and sometimes we're very wrong sometimes as coca-cola is the best drink out there oh and it's not though <laughs> pepsi's better um <laughs> i do we, like pepsi but pepsi's yeah. pretty good yeah <laughs> energy drinks are the best we yeah, all know that yeah yeah uh, sure <laughs> no2 nitrate over there you're yeah. drinking who knows what yeah, you got yeah. on the there. ingredient list goes all the way around the can i'm just like wow what is in this thing <laughs> cancer cancer yeah. cancer and cancer Thank yeah but you. pete says that is how i look like this oh look at that oh look at that guy look at that what is that that's is a that great t- t-shirt too great Damn. t-shirt your this wife's is, making more T-shirts, huh? When I take the hoodie off and uh, order a small, that's what I look like wow. right there. Wow, that's that's impressive, right is there. Is that artificial uh, intelligence that's just uh, generating it's, pictures? It's artificial something right there. I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream. I think one There's day multiple artificials. I think going on there. When I turn forty-five, maybe I'll, I'll devote my life to working out and looking like that one yeah, day. Yeah, uh, no, you won't. Probably no. not. <laughs> no, I sorry. enjoy sitting around all Sunday and watching. Eight, nine, ten hours of football. Yeah, Too that's, much, that's so. what we are. We're dumb men, and that's what we like to do. <laughs> all right, everybody. You know the deal. That's it. We hit them all. Ahmed, yep. you the man. Thanks for driving the ship as always. Thanks for dealing with me being late on a Monday as always. And thanks for listening to me talk too much as, as always. always. Thank you very much. All right, you know we're back Wednesday. Treasure Hunters are here. What the Fuck Happened podcast. We'll break it down. Send in questions, anything you want me to specifically break down. But we'll try to hit the main games, the big storylines of the week. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the game tonight. Monday Night Football. Ahmed, clap it up. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.